to another episode of the Unapologetically Black Gaming Podcast, a podcast that is for black gamers by black gamers. I am I am one of your hosts, the infamous hood, right with the heart of gold himself, Cortez Washington. And as always, I'm joined by a special guest. Uh, this person is a game or gamer, writer, video editor. Um, they are a contributor, contributor for this uh, Escapist magazine. Um, they also stream the Open Party podcast, which they host. And does uh, some streaming with their with their son as well. Uh, please show some love to Casey Wasu, aka Sigma. Hey, what's up? Hey, man, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, quick, quick correction. No one to step on your toes. Okay. But, uh, the the podcast is the Sigma Show, which the is Sigma Show. Okay. Yeah, like that's that's like my personal baby. It's separate from the Open Party, which is another uh, you know venture that I I work with. Okay. Uh, and we do Super Smash Sunday with the Open Party, which is like a Smash stream uh, for like weekly uh, tryhard sweaties. Oh yes. All right. Great. <laughs> Great. So yes, I, the Sigma Show is his show. That's his baby. And yeah, pretty much. Yeah. All right. But um, yeah, man. Uh, so happy to have you on the show. Can't wait to you know chop it up about your like your pathway of like being a content creator and also like what it's like to be a contributor for uh the escapist um but first things first i want to ask you uh what is your first game in memory so like what's the first game that you remember playing that you were like oh man not necessarily a career path but definitely like a long long time hobby oh man uh this might be two things because i can't Mm -hmm. remember which actually came first but um like i used to go to like my cousin's house all the time and they had the nes duck hunt there oh yeah yeah and i used to be obsessed with wanting to to like use the the little gun peripheral to shoot the screen and whatnot so like that that's a very early memory but i know that that was like that was like late that wasn't like when the nes was new or anything mm-hmm. like they just had it and like that was the only access to video games i had at the time but um at my own house like my uncle well my aunt actually bought me and my brothers, our first console ever, which was the SNES. Uh-huh. And it came with Super Mario World back then. And uh, I was young and sort of afraid to actually play the game. So, like, I would mm. watch my uncle, who was living with us at the time, actually play through the game. And so, like, I just watched. Like, I was fascinated, but I did not want to play. I was too scared to the point where I remember having uh, a nightmare about a particular level in Super Mario World, where it was just Super Mario World. It was the same level that I had seen my uncle play. But for some reason, like, uh, skulls were, like, raining from the sky, and that's the only thing that made it scary to me. Oh, wow. Oh, But uh, I got over that eventually. Like, I, okay. I, would, I played, like, one level over and over again in Super Mario World. Uh, and that was the only one I was comfortable with, for whatever reason. And then eventually moved on from there, and then, like, you know, fell head over heels in love. Nice. So you 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 had to work up the courage. It's not like you had to work up the courage to keep going. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure what it was really. Like I and I wasn't like that young. Like I I want to say I was like maybe I had to be like seven, maybe like six yeah. or seven at the time. But but I don't know what it was that like maybe like I was just terrified of of dying. I guess in the game. <laughs> I don't I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, rain and skulls. That's like. It feels like death, you know. It's like the end, end of days. <laughs> yeah, that was, like that was my subconscious just <laughs> beaming, <laughs> just beaming my fear back at me for no reason. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that's so funny. Um. So, um, I would love to get like get your origin story of like how you like got into this pathway of being in like content creation and more specifically like writing and being a writer itself. So like I would love to hear that how you got on that pathway. Uh. Yeah. Sure. Um. So yeah, like from from a pretty early age, like once video games were like introduced into my household, like I was uh, pretty much obsessed with them. Like it's the main thing I wanted to do. Like I would draw pictures of video games. I would like talk to my, uh, I have four brothers, uh, three at the time when I first started or whatever. And like all we would do is talk about video games. And um, at some point, um, it just, it was just matter of fact that Whatever I did was going to be video game related. I just didn't know what. Like, so, you know, when you're young, it's like, oh, I want to make video games, right? By the time I got to college and took my first coding class, like, I got probably the biggest F I'd ever gotten in. Oh, wow. <laughs> in any time, like, I'm not like a dumb person or whatever. Like, I, I do relatively good at school, but like, man, did I fail. And I was trying. 
fam. Yeah. Like I was going home and studying with like a classmate and stuff. And like, uh, it just, it, like I have a math anxiety, I'm sure at this point. And so coding is just math with words. And like, it just did not line up for me. So like, I, mm-hmm. I kind of pumped the brakes on that. Like I had aspirations maybe being uh, a video game artist, you know, like a, you know, make characters, make background art, stuff like that. I took early classes um, in like drawing and whatnot, but um, I felt way out of my depth in comparison to like the other students in that class. Like I, I, like I went to that class kind of wanting to learn how to be an artist and the people I was in class with were already artists. Like I saw mm. a dude friggin' draw a, a photorealistic horse by by sitting in front of it and, and staring at it. And I was like, yo, I can't do, <laughs> like yeah. I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> Yeah, you can't compete with that, man. That's, yeah, that's, like, I was like, oh, no, I, I got to get out of here. You built different. <laughs> uh, but what what really clicked in a way that I wasn't expecting was um, uh, one of my freshman classes, expository writing, was a class that almost everybody uh, on my dorm floor hated. Like, nobody wanted to go to expos. They all thought it was, like, super boring and super tedious to do. And for whatever reason, that was a class that I just clicked with. And, like, I really really grew to like the idea of learning a lot about something and then writing out a sensible argument using that information. Like for whatever reason, that just made the most sense to me. And I was really good at it. Like I did very well in that class very easily. Mm-hmm. So like in talking to like my counselors and stuff, like I would tell them like, yeah, I want to do something in video games, but then they would notice like the thing that you seem to be very good at is writing. Like, why don't yeah. you write for video games or write about video games? And I was like, oh, like I could, yeah, I could write about video. I could be a journalist who covers video games because that was the thing. Like I read video game magazines all the time, but like for whatever reason, I never thought of myself as being one of those guys. I always thought of myself as being one of the people who participates in making them, right? Yeah. So like once that kind of clicked, I like, oh, I'm actually really good at this. And then I can take that to apply to the thing I love, video games. Like that was always the goal is to be, like I graduated with a journalism major from school. Um, and I, I wanted to write about video games, but uh, I mean, you know how it is post uh, 2006, like the, the housing crisis, like people just didn't end up where they wanted to be after graduating. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so like, I, I was lucky enough to find a decent job after about a year or two of searching post-graduation. And I was doing like tech support work, um, like network support stuff for Verizon Wireless. So like, it was a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was making uh, decent money. There's room for improvement. I was there for about three years and was getting very comfortable until they laid me off. Oh. So, um, but like I look back at that now and that was pretty much the catalyst. Cause like I was already at the time, like I was using the money I was making to buy stuff to make video game content. Like I bought like a bunch of uh, video cameras. Like I was enlisting my friends and stuff to like help me try and make like podcasts. And I was like Mm -hmm. uh, learning how to edit and upload to YouTube. But like, I was splitting that time. It was like a side thing I was doing while I was just working all the time for Verizon. But like once they laid me off, um, I kind of took that uh, severance money, used it to kind of live off <laughs> for a little while while looking for other work and doing other like kind of freelancey contractor esque work, mm-hmm. and just full on went into content creation. I'm like since I have the time now, I'm just gonna fill this time with the stuff I want to do, which is either play games then write about those games, make content about the games, edit video about those games. Mm-hmm. And over time, um, I got noticed by, uh, I got noticed by uh, a guy online who asked me to basically join their indie game dev studio as like a social media guy. Like, they, hey, we like they wanted content for like their Facebook page and their YouTube page mm-hmm. uh, to just cultivate an audience who would then, I guess, buy their game when they ever released one. They never released a game, by the way. <laughs> like Damn. to this day, that studio never actually released a game. But but uh, the, the studio is called Life Abstract Gaming. And so like I basically took control of their YouTube uh, channel, um, Life Abstract Gaming. And um, I used it to kind of just launch a video essay series. Mm. And I would just talk about whatever, like game stuff, uh, nerd culture stuff, uh, like movies, TV shows, anime. And um, over time, like that was where I honed uh my video editing skill for the most part like Mm -hmm. that stuff isn't great but i'm still very proud of a lot of those videos especially some of the later ones before Mm -hmm. i stopped doing it and uh after about two years of that um i i applied 
to just outlets. And so um, I, I got a call back from Nick Calandra, uh, who at the time was running his own site called Gameumentary. Mm-hmm. And so he liked uh, what he saw from like my portfolio, um, had a quick interview, now I'm making uh, video reviews for uh, the Gameumentary YouTube channel. And by pure happenstance, Nick gets approached and hired by uh, the parent company for Escapist Magazine because they essentially buy his website and absorb him and make him the managing editor for Escapist Magazine, which was all but dead at the time. Like it was kind of Mm -hmm. a dead uh, legacy media uh, website. But they put Nick in charge. Uh, Nick really liked working with me and some of the other folks he had under him. So he kind of just brought us along. So now we're all team escapist. And like from that point forward, about four years ago, uh, we totally revamped the channel. Uh, we've added like a ton of new video content there in, a, in addition to the the one main thing that was on that channel, which was Zero Punctuation uh, done by Yahtzee Kroshaw. Um, and like we've added a ton of content to that channel, a ton of stuff, like new writers and stuff for the website. And, uh, and now I do streams and stuff with them as well. Like we have several weekly streaming series. Um, and like, it's a lot of fun. Like I'm having a, a great time doing this stuff. Like this is exactly the thing that I wanted to do from the very beginning. Uh, it was a long road to get there, but like, uh, like I'm having a good time. Like I'm, I'm kind of living my dream right now. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That sounds like a great journey. And it sounds like you were the thing that, that helped you out the most was just being prepared for when the opportunities arose, you know, like, right. Like, and being there in that space and being there at the time where when that people approached you or when it was time to be approached, you were like, oh, yeah, I already got it. You know, like, oh, I've already got this experience or things like that. And you pivoting to one of your strong suits of writing rather than like trying to bash your head against the wall, trying to be like a game of programmer or <laughs> yeah, who, yeah, yeah. coder. Yeah. Like because I, I might. Yeah, I might have full on just give given up on it if uh, and I, I got to give credit to my advisors uh, because. That was like that was a good idea. Say so like, hey, why don't you just do the thing you're good at, but then make that fit the thing you want to do? Because that that was that just wasn't a way I thought about things. I guess uh, before then, it was usually just like, well, if this is how this goes, then I have to adapt to that, um, as opposed to adopting the mindset of like, all right, well, I know what my strengths are. Let me now try and bend the world to to my will. Mm-hmm absolutely and that's a great way to, to view it too um yeah it's like we all have strengths it's just like how how are we going to make the world work in our favor with those strengths and how are we gonna you know seize the day um one dope thing is that you were part of like just like the revival of like this dead basically dead like brand or or <clears throat> company kind of yeah. like a phoenix you know like rising from the ashes <laughs> Or like, or like that saying, they'd be like, "Escapist magazine is dead. Long live escapist." Escapist, you know, like <laughs> that type of scenario. Like, what was like, what were some hardships that you faced, like when you were like helping, like get it back up to where it is now? You know, um, that's a really good question because there there were two main things, and the first one is the the controversy that kind of killed Escapist in the first place was something mm-hmm. I personally was not aware of. Like, I follow a lot of gaming magazines and outlets, but that particular situation was something that just wasn't in my wheelhouse um like uh i'm sure you've heard of like the whole gamergate situation right yeah right so like i knew what that was but i didn't realize that there were any websites that essentially kind of sided with and kind of had uh, a majority of their staff kind of uh go along with the sort of really nasty rhetoric and and ideologies that that spawned and apparently Escapist Magazine, uh, before uh, it went under, was very much a part of that in a bad way and were kind of like blacklisted by every other outlet, several publishers and whatnot because of it. Mm-hmm. So like that was kind of their downfall. And I just I personally was not aware of that. So when um, when the shift happened and uh, Nick brought all of us over to Escapist Magazine, I'm like, oh, I've heard of Escapist Magazine. It's cool. Like, this is a, a brand with recognition that I can now be a part of or whatnot. Had no idea I was basically walking into, like, the charred remains of, like, a fire. Yeah. Um, so it was it was difficult because, like, just having that associated with your name, a lot of people, especially, like, uh, a lot of bigger media outlets who knew what the Escapist was before, um, you know how it is on the internet, right? Like, they have a long memory. 
and uh, they they never forget or they never forgive, I should mm-hmm. say. Yeah. So it's like it doesn't matter that these are new people here. What they remember about the brand is still true to this day. And yeah. so, like right. you would, yeah. we would, like we had to struggle to kind of get review code for some from some people. Like yeah. we would, you know, we have um, access to like a lot of indie developers, which turned out to be one of our strong points. Like that's one of the main things that the Escape is kind of known for right now is that we we give a lot of attention to uh, indie games. Yeah. Um, but it took a while for a lot of the publishers to recognize, like, oh, this is a different group, or like this group has uh, people who care about what they want to say. So like we'll start. You know, working with them, giving them code, like PR people started picking up the phone again, uh, or whatever. Mm. Uh, so like that, that was just like a lot of grinding, honestly, and just doing the work of doing the work we wanted to do, showing our faces, and just being different people and cultivating a community around those people. But the second mm. half of that is um, outside of all the GamerGate uh, stuff, uh, there was Yahtzee and Zero Punctuation, which was kind of the lifeblood of the channel from the beginning. Like it was the most popular show on the channel by far, mm. and remained popular even after everything else around it crumbled so like for a couple of years it was just yahtzee releasing zero punctuation on the escapist so for a big majority of people that was the only thing they knew and wanted from that channel so when nick showed up and was like hey we're gonna try to revive this we're gonna have new people doing this that and a third anything that wasn't zero punctuation kind of started to get this like some people would react to it as if it was like an affront mm-hmm. to them. So like because it's not zero punctuation, it's bad. Because it's not getting the numbers that zero punctuation gets, that's a validation that is bad. And like they would take up this weird stance um, as if um, we were somehow hurting Yahtzee, who had been there, and that Yahtzee didn't want us there, or that um, we're gonna change Yahtzee. Like this kind of weird rabid fan base mentality. That's such a weird assumption to have. It, it really is. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> and like uh, I gotta commend uh, Nick, the the manager there, because he, what he did to try and address that was slowly sort of seed uh, the new people in with Yahtzee. Like we started doing podcasts together, we started oh. doing streams together, uh, we started uh, the one of the biggest things is we started the the D and D show Adventure is Nigh, um, where uh it's it's me two other um writers and yahtzee uh with jack packard from red letter media who's also on the escapist now uh as our dm in a DD campaign mm-hmm. and people just watching yahtzee interact with other humans and have fun somehow broke their brains in a way that they because he, he he's gotten this reputation as some as kind of like a real curmudgeon of a game reviewer like he's very you know wry he's sarcastic he's a he's a british guy old old guard gaming press type mm-hmm. stuff uh but he's actually a really nice guy if you actually know him but if you if you're only looking at his uh video content some people get this perception that he's like this really sort of closet uh neck beardy fedora wear because i mean his his, his <laughs> like character in his videos literally wears a fedora so like it's ki- it's kind of a character but there's a lot of people who identify with that character as being like an outsider and a loner and, yeah and whatnot and it's like that's that's just not the real person and that's not the real story like so like it, it took some time but like uh, a lot of the community um have now warmed up to people who aren't yahtzee on the channel like it, it used to be a yeah. recurring theme it's like anytime one of us was on stream folks in the chat would be like where's yahtzee <laughs> and so uh that i want to say that went on for like maybe two and a half like one and a half to two and a half years of people just showing up randomly like where's yahtzee but eventually that that you know that went away Folks now recognize us as well as Yahtzee, and they like to see us doing stuff with Yahtzee as well. So, like, uh, every now and then, you know, you still get, like, those uh, outliers because, I mean, Yahtzee stuff is still by far the most popular stuff on the channel. And for good reason, you know, he's been doing it for, like, 10 plus years on that channel. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, like, the escape is so much more now. And, like, after all this time, it finally feels like um, it's, it's been able to get out from under that shadow for the most part. Yeah, it's... That sounds like a lot of legwork, and that sound like y'all redemption arc was like the longest, like <laughs> the longest experience, and also the most grueling because like there's nothing worse than losing the public like approval because it takes so long to like build that back up, like right, and not even and not even just compare the escapist to like the same experience, but like when I think about that, I think of like Muhammad Ali, you know, when Muhammad Ali didn't want to go to Vietnam War he like 
they just like shunned him, blacklisted him, you know. And it took yeah. so long for yeah. him to get back in the good graces of pub of the of the public. And it just seems like that was like the same, not necessarily the same, but like that same aspect of like really being like, look, all those people are gone. Like this is something new. This is like this. Like we're we're really like a new team. Like with yeah, different and, that, and that's the and thing that, that makes shit. it like especially frustrating because like it uh-huh. wasn't our fault. <laughs> yeah, like we like we weren't the people who did the thing and had to apologize for the thing. Like it should have just been a fresh start once we got there, but it wasn't. Absolutely. Like we we had to do the legwork for a bunch of people who weren't there anymore. Yeah, and I and I think even even a name change would have actually hurt more than help. Yeah, it probably would have hurt. Yeah, yeah, because brand is everything nowadays. Yeah, and it's and especially a long a long standing brand within the gaming industry is like games media. Like that's something that is like way like a lot more valuable. I say nowadays than anything because, um, because it is like you know if you you have like the long standing IGNs, Game Informers, Games Gamespot, you know all those, and then you have like the Escapist, like you said, the Escapist is for the indie community. Like really really helps out with the indie community and really helps with like broadcasting and build and like you know uh showcasing them and so it like to not have that brand association like one to have it the association be bad but then also to like if you were to say revamp it and change to something else like the name and stuff it'll just be like well what are you and it's like oh we used to be this and then people assume like oh they changed their name because they don't want nobody to remember they did all that bad right shit. yeah you know they're like, right, like they're running away from <laughs> yeah it's, it's like a damned if you do damned if you don't type circumstance and yeah. and it sounds great that like y'all were able to like crawl back up i mean like crawl out of that like dig out of that hole it sounds like the uh dark dark night rises when bruce wayne had to climb out of the <laughs> had to get out of the pit yeah yeah had to get out the pit yeah without the rope you had to do it without the rope that's what that's what was saving him. Which also, can we talk about that? Like the rope was the part that saved him. I'm pretty sure the rope broke his back again. Um, <laughs> dude, he fell really hard. He fell hard, dude. And it was like at least like I think a couple stories. I feel like it was a couple stories, and it just snapped. And he was like, Ugh. you know, like, and I, they said like it was like six months had passed, but like he didn't he didn't get better in six months though. Like, come on now. I mean, he's he's Batman. You know, he has plot armor in all all media. Plot, plot armor, <laughs> plot muscles, plot bones. Yeah. <laughs> um, like as long as it's Batman, he can do it. Man, yeah, yeah. I think that I think they should redo that. I think it would be great to see it with the Robert Pattinson, uh, Robert Pattinson Batman, because I think they would like really break his back like hard. <laughs> Just because like Matt Reeves is doing like very hard. He's like it's like soft R Batman basically. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's 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 like a nice in between of like uh, the older Batman movies, like Tim Burton esque Batman movies, which yeah. are a little goofier but still like great to watch, yeah. and then like the the very serious uh, Christopher Nolan ones. Like, yeah, Matt Reeves is kind of hitting like a sweet spot in between those two. Yeah, because it's just so ridiculous. Like, it uh, is. I thought, I, like, I I think uh, Rob Pattinson looks great in the bat suit or whatever. Uh-huh. But when he first, especially when he first walks in and like it's in the room with the cops, it very intentionally makes him look so ridiculous. Yes, it does. Like and he it... looks like such a weirdo and the cops react to him Whoa. like he looks the way he does. <laughs> and that was pretty jarring. I was like, that's that's kind of funny, honestly. And like imagine like Jim Gordon's credibility too because it's like he's trusting this dude dressed up in his fucking costume which like if you look close enough the bat the bat sim- logo and symbol is the gun that killed his parents so it's right. like it's like what the fuck this dude is so angsty and jim is like come on man trust him he's one of the best you know <laughs> <laughs> no yeah it's it's a really it's a really funny scene i don't know if it's intentional or not but like yeah that made me laugh a lot yeah and then when the commissioner came in was like what the hell is he doing it's like man <laughs> Shit. The mayor's dead. You got this weird ass dude in here. What the fuck? He ain't saying nothing. He just staring. Stop staring at me, bro. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's like probably both the most realistic depiction of a, a Batman scenario ever. Honestly, yeah. And also, last thing I want to talk about is like it was so creepy how they made him and the Selena Kyle thing like happen because like he was just giving off all her information. Like he he's he was like, I followed you here. I'm this. I'm mysterious. She's real life. She would have been like, you, you a fucking creeper, dude. Like, what do you, why do you know my name? Like, come on, bro. Like, but yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, in that city though, like 
Batman makes sense because everything was just it's so corrupt and so ridiculously terrible that like of course the dude in the bat costume would be the greatest thing to happen to that town besides the billionaire the billionaires that live there that could definitely fix it but oh well it's <laughs> <laughs> sounding, um, sounding a, a lot more real yeah a lot more real yeah it does like billionaires instead of being like oh i can use my money to you know rebuild the infrastructure you know uh, support like candidates who are thinking about the city they're like nah i'm gonna just wear a costume and beat up drug, drug dealers. <laughs> or or i'm gonna i'm gonna put a costume on a social media platform yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm gonna hey. dress this bird up like the letter x man this, the and the riddler he was just straight up just a regular degler dude on the internet it was just like i'm tired of shit man he got <laughs> he actually was like he actually was more of a hero than batman was because he was like i'm trying to break the status quo because as an orphan in like this shitty orphan orphanage i was really like the bottom of the barrel i'm the one that wasn't protected and it's just like and there's millions of me around here in this city so why not kill the people who did that but then when he blew up the bridges of course they had to make him seem like he was a horrible horrible yeah guy. they do that all the time like yeah. they, they make the villain have like really good points but then it's like oh you went a step too far now <laughs> now your whole thing is irredeemable it's like I was with you until you, you had to shoot all those people or whatever you did. <laughs> they did that in Falcon and Winter Soldier when the when the uh Yeah, they, they did it in that. They did yeah. it in uh Black Panther with Killmonger. Yeah. 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 All the time. There's, yeah. there's always one one step too far. It was like, all right, I can't I can't now <laughs> I can't yeah. fly this flag. It's like it's like go that extreme route or maintain the status quo, which is really shitty still. Like mm-hmm. what do you, what do you want to do? And it's I mean, in some cases I will I want to be like, hey man, let's hear him out real quick. Let's see what we talk about. I mean, we ain't got to do all of it, but. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so um, so I I do notice too that you like to uh do streams with your son, which is pretty dope. Like what 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 yeah. brought that, what brought that on to be be a thing for you now? Like as a as a uh process, and how's that been going? Uh, like I I I gotta admit that like it's not something I've been able to do uh as regularly as I've wanted to. Like, we haven't had uh, one of those streams in a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, but, um, yeah, like, uh, like kind of in, in the middle of that transition period where I, I lost my job and was trying to figure out what to do next, like, mm-hmm. I, I had my son. Like, like he, was, he was born, like, maybe six months before I'd gotten laid off. Mm. So, like, it was, you know, it was a really scary time. Um, like, he means uh, the world to me. And I just wanted... Like with how hard I was working, like I like almost every hour of the day had to be dedicated to either uh, creating content in order to make it worthwhile, <laughs> make yeah. all that time I spent worth something, mm-hmm. and then actually going to work to make money because making the content wasn't making money. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it became kind of important to me. One because video games are important to me, but two because if if my son were able to participate in some of that stuff with me then that's me killing two birds with one stone, essentially. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, me and my son can have this time together. I can make this content. Like, maybe it'll be profitable, but at the same time, like, it's just a good memory. Like, and I have, like, hours and hours and hours of he and I sharing that sort of uh, experience. And, like, it's, it's like, it's, it's honestly, it, it's probably my favorite piece of content that I've made. Um, but... It's, it's the hardest to keep up because, like, you know, he's getting older and older now. Like, he just turned 10 this past August. Mm. Um, he's uh, He was with me up until then, uh, this past summer. Uh, he moved uh, to Chicago where his mom is now. So, like, she'll she'll have him primarily for, like, the next couple of years. And uh, he'll just be, like, you know, visiting uh, this side because I'm, I'm on the East Coast. So mm-hmm. he'll be visiting me for, like, holidays and whatnot. But I was just out there with him, with my fiance for his 10th birthday. Oh, nice. Um, so, like, it's it's not as easy mm-hmm. uh, to arrange that kind of stuff. Like, he like he has consoles. Like, I sent him a bunch of consoles over there. At some point, hopefully, I can get him, like, kind of just online with me so we can, like, maybe start it back up. Yeah. Uh, but it's been rough. Like, it's, it's it's been rough trying to keep that going with, with all the work stuff I have to do with him now having school and, like, his own activities and whatnot. Mm-hmm. it's rough but like it's it's still a great memory he asked me when can we do it all the time because <laughs> he because he still you know he still loves that those memories he still loves those memories yeah that's so that's so dope and so wholesome like just having that experience and 
I really like it too that like you you one you did it the the time that you had you took advantage of it and you did it but also like having like the the videos and stuff of it like will like it will last for forever is amazing but also providing like a, a unique approach to content you know a lot of times people like will like say like oh yeah you know they'll mention their parent or something like that you know and i understand like the safety and concern of your child but then also mm-hmm. like showing them like there's a fun side to the internet that you can like tap into as long as it's safe and monitored and you're doing it with people that are worried about your well-being and it's great that you're able to tap into that and like have that experience with them and like it goes to show our generation like now is very different from our parents our parents did not like they played games with us i've 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 met a few people who said that like yeah yeah, my parents were into video games but it's rare like few and far in between. yeah like i'm i'm 36 and yeah. uh for most people around my age it is super rare for their parents to have had anything to do with their video game upbringing like i can i remember yeah. exactly one time where my mother like sat down and tried to play games with us uh-huh. um and it was just the one time she did she never did it before or after that <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, my it's funny because uh, I'm 31 and my parents uh, they bought us games, but they never really played them. And right. my mom would buy us funny games. Like she would, she like if it was a bargain bin game, she would buy it, and she didn't understand like it was trash. <laughs> like one time she bought us this game called Cookies and Cream. Uh, oh, wasn't that that Sega? It's like Sonic spinoff. It's like it's Cookies and Cream. It's Sonic, but you know who else? Surprisingly, it was co- it was made by From Software. So it's like one of right that's true from software is one of their like early games and i was yeah. like and i remember seeing that like when i i think like last year i was like what the shit like i played this from soft game when i was younger it wasn't hard it was just course, like yeah it was just stupid <laughs> <laughs> but everybody gotta start somewhere yeah exactly so it was like that experience for that but then also like i don't know what happened but like at one point, they just bought a Wii, a used Wii, and they just love Wii Sports. Like they love, like. Well, yeah, that like this, this is something I say uh, pretty often is that the the Wii was a, a total fluke for Nintendo. <laughs> like yeah. the 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 huge success of that was because it became like a, a fad. Honestly, yeah. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. is not based on the merits or the innovation of that console or motion controls not because of the quality of the games on the platform like even i mean there were good wii games because nintendo always makes good games for every generation of course but like the wii was a dumb idea that was a novelty that worked for everyone who didn't actually care about video games and that's why they sold a ridiculous amount and this was proven because they tried to basically do a wii 2 which with the wii u gamepad thing yeah and that flopped super hard super duper hard honestly the nintendo switch is like the second coming of the wii just because of like one because of like the motion controls and like the portability like the motion controls with like taking the joy cons off and doing all that stuff but also the amount of shovelware that's on there oh my god yeah, yeah. there's so many shitty games on the damn nintendo, like, like, nintendo, nintendo is is a br- is a brilliant brilliant video game publisher but they also have the most absurd luck of any video game publisher as well because yeah. like I, the Switch's success is largely due to the pandemic. Yeah, facts. Pandemic and Animal Crossing, like people, were yeah, like, I can like experience a world that takes me away from this hellhole known as COVID nineteen. Like, <laughs> like it was uh, just the perfect place, perfect at the perfect time for yeah. exactly the thing that they thought up in that moment to do gangbusters, and it did. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't know what would have happened if. The, like if the pandemic didn't happen, I think I think the switch would have still did pretty. It would have did pretty decent. You yeah, know, it, did, but, it had done okay, but I don't think it would have done as well as it's doing at yeah. this point. It would have did. I think it would have hit like the 3ds did. You know, 3ds did pretty good, but it wasn't like the most amazing selling console. It was like it did. It did really good though. You yeah, know? by like my my honest guess is that if there was no pandemic, the switch would have been successful, but Nintendo would have uh, launched another home console aside it by now oh yeah of course most definitely yeah they just switch would have basically taken over their handheld market Mm. which they've now like they've kind of abandoned fully now like like they've they've somehow managed to merge their console and handheld market which were two separate things prior to the switch into one thing which sounds like a bad idea because that's two different revenue streams that go away but that's how successful the switch was in that window of time Mm -hmm. they didn't have to worry about doing that and like two types of content too because like you know handheld game a lot of times the handheld games like they are immersive but they're not 
like too deeply immersive they're definitely like a you can drop in drop out type of scenario like type of gameplay mm-hmm. whereas like the console is like you're sitting down in front of this and you're doing extended gameplays or extended experiences and and that's again like like things just line up for nintendo because that's yeah. the kind of game they make even on their console like nintendo was never the part of like this big immersive uh no cinematic adventure push type thing. They always made smaller, very gameplay focused experiences. And that works very well on a handheld, regardless. Yeah. 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 So So like they can port anything that they would have made for a main home console to a, a handheld console and it does pr- practically just fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think, man, whew, that's going to be a story in the next 10 years. Like Nintendo Switch luck or great business strategy (laughs) (laughs) but um speaking of game speaking of consoles and stuff man what's what's some games you playing right now what's got your interest right now oh man uh this this year in particular might be what might go down to history as like the the full-on best year for game releases point my period like there have been so many high quality games at every level like there's mm-hmm. there's dope stuff coming out in the indie space there's dope stuff coming out in like the mid-tier double a space and then you got super massive triple a games that are just getting tens and nines every left which way like um hi-fi rush came out earlier this year and i was like i was smitten with that game yeah, yeah. but then um the only thing i think i was looking forward to up until then was street fighter 6 which I wish I had more time to play that game. It is fantastic. Street Fighter 6 might be the best fighting game I've played since Smash Ultimate. And Smash Ultimate is like my favorite fighting game ever. Ooh, that's a that's a that's a huge take. I mean, I haven't played it, but you know, I don't know if any of the listeners are gonna be like, yes or no. I don't know. But that's dope though. I yeah, mean, Street, Fighter, Street Fighter 6 is fantastic. It's a it's the, the the next two years are gonna be the 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 fighting game community's like pure bliss because there's so many things coming out. There's the Mortal Kombat that's coming out. Yeah, Mortal Kombat, Tekken. Tekken next year. year. Oh, next year, right. King of Fighters is coming. It's like Final Fight is coming. Uh, I'm surprised they won't announce another. Like, uh, uh, what was the game with the Beast? It was like Beast Wars, Beast Fury, something like that. You can fight uh, as a rabbit. You can fight as a rabbit? I don't. I don't know. Primal Rage? Primal Rage. It was... Uh, Fight as a rabbit transformation. Uh, da, 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 da. damn it, damn it, damn there, it, damn it. There was some other arc system game this year too, I think. Right? Uh, Guilty yeah. Gear. Guilty Gear. Yep. Yeah. Guilty Gear. Guilty Gear, and then like fight, like Dragon Ball Z fight, Dragon Ball Fighters. <laughs> Got to mention that Z. They're they're consistently getting updates, and which shout out to them because like. Those Dragon Ball games, you could think they could just, they be, they used to just churn them out. Now they're just like, we'll just update them. Like, that was stupid. Like, we got to work no, smarter, yeah. not harder. Fire, Fighters <laughs> is, is a really, yeah. really smart way to make a, a IP game. Fighters Z. Out the park with that. Xenoverse 2 and then Kakarot. Like, they were like, we're covering all our bases, baby. Like, what's up? <laughs> I, I don't see the point of a Dragon Ball RPG. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, 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 it's weird, you know, because it's, because it's like, Especially like with the original storyline and following that, because it is very interesting to be like, oh, we're going over this story again for the yeah. It's like again, like <laughs> franchise is like thirty years old. They like what what Bandai Namco does to uh, Dragon Ball Z is what like uh, American like Western gaming uh, gaming studios do for like World War Two. You know, they just keep going, <laughs> yeah, just, just keep going back. Let's keep reminiscing. Let's keep running back. You remember this war? It's like, bro, like stop press, stop, stop stressing out Grandpa, man. Like he, he tired of saying <laughs> it looks more and more real. I'm gonna catch Grandpa with the pistol out and sitting on the table at some point <laughs> with a helmet on, man, because he because he having flashbacks, man. Stop. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, they keep retreading the same ground. Uh, I, I I actually you remind, just remind me I did a video essay about how anime games deserve better. <laughs> they do. They like, do. Uh, I don't know where it is on Escapist now. You could probably search hard for it, but it's like, uh, like essentially, yeah, I, I talked about how like the go-to is, you know, a collection of uh, shonen characters all just fight each other in, in like an arena, like yep. the Shippuden uh, Ninja Storm games and whatnot. Yep. And it's like, this is all flash and no substance. Like this, this isn't 
Mm-hmm. This isn't a real game. <laughs> like no. this is a this is a toy for the people who are fans of the show. Yeah, I think, and I think the one that just recently did it, I I think it did a good job. I didn't play it. Was the one point One Piece Odyssey? Like it had like the great art style. It was like an adventure, like its own storyline. You know? Oh yeah, that was an RPG. I don't yeah. think I, I don't think I tried that at all. Me I'm not playing one of those One Piece like Dynasty Warriors clones, and that wasn't terrible. But. Yeah, those and it's interesting because like I won't play those, but then again I'll be like, oh, I really want to play that. Like Persona, <laughs> like Persona Five Strikers, like I wanted to play that so bad. Yeah, you, if it's a franchise that you're into, I can see, I can see the draw. Because mm-hmm. like I really wanted to try the Legend of Zelda one, but in my heart I was like, this is a Muso, and I'm not gonna care about it as soon as I get it. <laughs> like Bro. as soon as I start playing it, I'm gonna drop it. And it ran at like 15 frames per second on the on the <laughs> Nintendo. <laughs> you might as well just you might as well just watch like a fan like a fanfic. I mean a, a fan uh movie of it or AV or a P, PMV or something like that. You uh-huh. know what I'm saying? Like uh so like it's it's wild that yeah they do deserve better. But yeah, man, it's a, it's been the year of the the uh the fighters. Uh, I love seeing like a lot of like unreal 5 games coming out yeah they're, they're finally starting to uh release uh, i actually just finished immortals of avium like i did a review for escapist mm-hmm. um and that was surprisingly really good oh it was yeah like super high production value like everything is gorgeous uh the story was really good the acting was great like i uh-huh. really enjoyed it that's what's up i'm gonna have to get out of track i love because i love first person shooters and it looked like it's like doom but magic is that right doom yeah but magic? that's that's a good way to look at it okay. doom but magic <laughs> all right cool say less that's getting downloaded today <laughs> um what are what are some games you're looking forward to that's coming out soon like within the next year or so uh well i mean armor core 6 just came out like i just blew that up Ooh. and uh, I'm, I'm having a great time with that uh but um i kind of i kind of want to see what cyberpunk's dlc is about yeah like i like I was very lukewarm on the original game, like even before it came out and was like a trash fire. Like I was like, yeah. I don't see what the big deal about this game is. But I did, I did play it to completion um, after it released and was kind of a trash fire. And I was like, it's okay. Like it's not nothing revolutionary, but like I like the stories. The world is like amazing. Yeah. But then you know, Edge Runners came out and that really reignited a lot of like fanfare for that universe. Mm-hmm. And now that they're claiming that they fixed all the things that were wrong and that they've added new systems to make the world a lot more close to what they originally had planned uh-huh. i'm very curious to see if they've done that yeah so like yeah cyberpunk is on my radar right now uh that phantom liberty dlc yeah I um can't, yeah i can't wait for that too oh sorry go ahead no i'm sorry <laughs> no i was just gonna say i can't wait for that because i surprisingly i thought i like because i played cyberpunk mm-hmm. and i thought i did like a little bit of time in it and i did like i had like 27 hours in it like, yeah, that's, a, that's not a little bit of time i was like what i, I didn't realize <clears throat> i didn't realize i committed that much time to the game though because you know you think you just playing doing stuff you know what it was actually i think about it now i was trying to make my character so i was trying to do like a side mission or gig and i was trying to do a sneaky with the mantis blades but i needed to power up the mantis blades to make them stronger because they were overpowered the people were overpowered so i think mm-hmm. i did was level that up but then i got then i acquired the the, the like the charge jump so I could jump mm. up on the second floor so I didn't have to fight the people on the first floor. And I think that took me a lot of time to get that. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you go down a path of uh, this thing leads to that thing to this. Yeah. Like, that, that was one of my biggest disappointments is that that game um, it didn't really let you make and role play a character you wanted. Yeah. Like, like you, you play a character. You play V. And yeah. I found V super annoying. Like yeah. V lacked any real motivation, which just wasn't an interesting person. But like everyone, everything around V was interesting, but V themselves was just mad, mad annoying to me. <laughs> like I was trying to make a major Kusanagi from Ghost in the Shell, and, and Cyberpunk wouldn't let me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. They won't. They they don't let you do that. It's, it's so weird when they have like it's a it's an RPG and like you can they talked about all this customization and stuff but then it's in first person so you can't really see it and then it's like <laughs> right. predetermined like the like predetermined like uh how this person talks and all these things and it's just like you're you're in that you're in their shoes but also like not really feeling like you can't feel immersed but also not really because you didn't like fully fully create this person um 
that which brings me back to uh i was playing i was i was just playing outer worlds uh like mm-hmm. last night or something because i really like that game i just like it because it's like makes fun of the corporations which is pretty cool right but uh <laughs> i was i was i was playing that and i felt like the character you know like i felt in ways that like i could be like the character i created and like the responses i had and the, and the things i could say and do like and it felt good to do that because i don't know it just felt like more like i was in control of what could happen rather than like in uh cyberpunk like regardless of what's going on you still are dying of this thing and you got to get this fixed and all this stuff yeah hopefully phantom liberty i know i know the revamp like they said it's going to really change up the rpg uh elements and really make it feel more immersive so hopefully yeah, it's totally helps. different i hear like you yeah. when you first reload your old save like you're gonna have to respect your entire character because like all that stuff damn that's so stressful <laughs> yeah um but oh what other games are you looking forward to sorry i cut you off oh oh yeah uh like that's the thing like there's so many games that have already come out but there's still so much left like uh ghost ghost runner 2 is on the horizon yeah sleeper sleeper yeah right yeah like this is going definitely going on the radar especially in a year like this but like <laughs> that first game was really fun like first person like tough as nails uh uh platforming slash like actiony stuff it's, it's basically a platformer like super meat boy or celeste yeah but in first person with like mirror's edge like parkour yeah and that's like and that's dope yeah, it, is, it was really freaking fun. And the second one looks like they're amping all of that stuff up that was in the first game. Like, uh, like seconds, like sequels in video games are usually the real version of the game that the, the people were trying to make, right? Like, especially if you get like a first game and it was like, oh, this has some cool ideas. Yeah. Usually the second game is like, they put everything that they really wanted to do in it. So like, I'm super excited for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a sleeper. Uh uh i'm one game i'm looking forward to is el paso elsewhere that looks really cool mm-hmm. and um yeah because that looks really sick like just that taking that max Payne, uh that max Payne style gameplay which i mm-hmm. feel like a lot of games don't do anymore they like really scared to tread the max Payne route you know and it's like do that shit yeah it was it was a bigger thing like in the 2000s i guess like yeah. like post max Payne, like everything was like treading in bullet time but like, yeah, like some a lot of stuff has like moved away from it. Like you usually only get like the slow mo stuff, uh, like defensively. Like oh, I did a parry or I did a dodge, and now everything's slow. As opposed to just let me activate slow mo whenever I want. Whenever <laughs> I want, dude. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're getting close to the end of the episode. So this is time for uh, positive affirmation, words of wisdom um, from the guests. So this is a time where you can give the audience any. Uh, words of affirmation you like to like tell yourself in order to keep you going or things that you feel like people should know or hear to you know stay on the up and up and stay on the right path so uh, i'm gonna take a step back and let you step up uh okay um so yeah probably some of the best advice i'd ever heard uh was something that i continuously heard from this all like the media people that i would listen to uh on podcasts and and on videos and whatnot and it's uh, especially if you're trying to get into this sort of a medium, um, your best bet is to just start. As opposed to like waiting uh, for you know some sort of opportunity from someone, or like you don't need a big audience. Like you kind of just need to start making content. Um, and I, I don't want to say like that's going to work for everybody because very clearly it doesn't. Um, but at the very least, you will learn some things about yourself. You will know if it's a thing that you actually want to do, if it's something that you can stick with, you know what I mean, over time. So if, if you do have an aspiration, and this can probably apply to anything even outside this medium. Like if there's something you want to do, uh, a lot of hesitation stems from like the idea that you will fail or that you're not the right fit for it or something like that. But if, if you're very passionate about it, just start. Like, do what you need to do to get started and then take it from there. Like, if if it turns out, you know, you're enjoying yourself, then keep it up. But if it's not working out, like, you you know, you're having second thoughts, like, you feel like your attention is elsewhere, then by all means, at least you tried, you know, and you know that this was an avenue that you, you know, looked at, uh, but ultimately moved away from. Because uh, I don't know where I'd be if I, if I kind of just le- left it on my laurels and went like, all right, well, I'm in this space now. And 
because this thing hasn't worked yet, I'm going to just go back to what I was doing before. Because uh, I know I know I'd be a, le a much less happy person in that regard. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, there's nothing better. There's nothing better than saying I tried it and I gave it my all, you know, and right. feeling like you know, and I got some great, I got some great stuff out of it. But if it don't pan out, then hey, man, it don't pan out. But at least you did it rather than sitting on your hands and feet uh, thinking and hoping. Because, like, I think somebody gave me the same similar advice that you said, too, is like, uh, don't like don't not take a chance on something like even if it is for two years, because two years later, you're going to be in the same place, you know. <laughs> and so, like, it's just like taking that chance and being and open, opening yourself up to opportunities like that. So great thank you so much man uh, yeah no problem last question i have is what are five games you think every gamer should know about Ooh, five yeah. games every gamer should know about yeah this is the hardest question actually that's hard uh like yeah i've had a, a rotating list of the five of my five favorite games of all time but this, uh -huh. this is different than that right this isn't what are your favorites this is what should everyone know about like it, it, it can and it can include maybe a couple of your favorites maybe it's a couple maybe it's like a favorite not a favorite of yours but you know how how important it is or you know whatever whatever you mm. feel like if, whatever you feel like the list should be that's what that's what you can do okay um this okay so this <laughs> this is probably a selfish pick but mega man x okay <laughs> one of the greatest video games of all time it's a timeless classic but it has a lot of fundamentals, um, fundamental truths of, of video game action platforming that I think mm -hmm. can be appreciated by anyone. Like there are games today that still can only feel as good as Mega Man X versus something better. You know what I mean? Like that's how yeah. that's how revolutionary that game was. So that that would probably be top of that list. Um, another selfish pick: uh, Perfect Dark mm. uh, for the N64. There are a lot of people who will say GoldenEye was like the best uh, first-person shooter on the N64, and that's because those people never played Perfect Dark. <laughs> Perfect Dark, <laughs> like I, like I mentioned earlier, Perfect Dark is the spiritual successor. It's it's GoldenEye two. It's what Rare wanted to do, and couldn't because they had a license tied to it, and because it was their first game on that platform. Perfect okay. Dark took all of the stuff they did in GoldenEye, uh, applied a, a, a new world to it. And then just put tons and tons of extra content levels. Like it's it's amazing. It is the best first person shooter of that era. Um, and I, I hope they do it justice when they bring this game back. Cause it was announced a long time ago and it's been in development hell since then. Yeah. <laughs> so man, that ah, I I hope Perfect Dark comes back and is something uh worthy of that that lineage. Because Perfect Dark Zero was not. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah, Perfect Dark would be one. Um Super Mario World, I think, is very fundamental as well. Like that's just that's just a timeless video game that anybody can get into. Uh, I want to say one of the Zelda games, but in all honesty, I don't think everyone would like those. Like, I think a certain audience would be maybe put off by what those games do. Hmm. But um, I, I personally love that series. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't want to spend forever on this. So I'll, I'll just say Legend of Zelda. <laughs> Link, to the Link to the Past. I'll put that on there. Uh, okay. Uh, how many games do I have left? One or two? <laughs> I think you got one. One left. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say uh, not the Outer Worlds that you mentioned earlier, but the Outer Wilds. Okay. Which is that space exploration game where you, like, you know, uh, traverse a, a solar system that's basically dying and you can go back to the beginning of a 22 minute loop before the solar system explodes uh that game is phenomenal for a number of reasons um it's not everyone's cup of tea mm -hmm. but if i could force what that game does to the people who loved it on anyone i would okay like that's the one game where I wish I could like erase it from my brain to experience it over again on a regular basis. Okay. Okay. So that's like a good, that's like one of those greater experiences. Okay. Okay. Like that, that game is incredible. All right. So I got, I just want to make sure I got your numbers right. So Mega Man X, uh, Perfect Dark, 
Zelda Outer Wilds. I think you might actually have one more. Oh, I do have one more. Yeah. So if I do have one more, um, then I'm going to say Portal 2. Okay. Okay. Portal Uh, 2. Portal 2 is a masterclass in how to do video game writing. Mm -hmm. Like from top to bottom, that game has impeccable comedic timing and dramatic irony and stakes uh, all wrapped up in like it's a short, you know, bite-sized puzzle uh, focused levels. And to this day, I think it has uh, probably the best ending in a video game period. Okay. Yes. And you also mentioned, like you said, sequels are just the first game, but right, a lot exactly. better. Yes. Yeah. And that one definitely attests to that because, you know, Portal, the first Portal is fun and it and it has like, you know, it has its uniqueness and its own unique like personality. But then the second one just takes it to another level, you know? And Right. Like the first one was kind of a test. Yeah. Honestly. It's about yeah. like an hour and a half long. Uh, it just had a bunch of concepts and ideas. But the idea was so strong uh, that they expanded both that and its story into something truly incredible. Like Portal, Portal 2 is an incredible video game. But it's but in particular, the way it ends and that, that entire sequence surrounding its ending is just one of the best things I've seen done in a video game. Yes. Great. See, damn, that was nice. Casey, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, no problem. Uh, um, where can the people find you on the socials and what can they expect when they tune into your content? Uh, yeah, you guys can find me at Sigma Gears 9 on Twitch, Twitter, Blue Sky, Threads, uh, Instagram, any anywhere that there's a social thing. My tag is probably there at Sigma Gears 9. Um, uh, you can also find me on Escapers Magazine's YouTube page. Um, I stream like five out of the seven days a week over there (laughs) and um i also have like review videos uh video essays uh just there's a lot of content with my name attached to it over there uh check out adventures nine which is the live action role play dnd show that we do um it's on its third season Uh, we just shot that third season in uh in person over the like back in March, April, we were out in Wisconsin and we shot that all uh, together for the first time because we've been doing it for like three years now. Oh, nice. Uh, but we're all actually sitting at the same physical table for the first time for this third season. Um, and that's releasing currently. Like, I think it's on episode three mm-hmm. now of uh, of the full season. So check that out. Um, for my personal stuff, um, I do uh, my own podcast, The Sigma Show, which is a uh, video game news show. Like, I usually invite uh, three guests. Uh, they're reoccurring people. So, like, You'll see familiar faces, but it's not always the same people. And, it's, you know, it's people from the industry, like uh, colleagues that I've met uh, in journalism stuff or just friends that I've made, uh, you know, playing video games online and whatnot. And so we'll get different, very different viewpoints on, like, particular issues in video games and whatnot. Um, and honestly, Cortez, like, I'd love to have you on at some point if you're if you're ever free. Hell yeah. I'm always free. <laughs> well, no, I'm not always free. But, yeah, I'd love to be on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, de- so de- I'll definitely hit you up about getting you on there at some point. But um, but yeah, so like that's my weekly show that I do, and then on Sundays as well, uh, for the open party, which is the uh black Discord, uh, well not a black Discord, it's a black gamer Discord. Uh-huh. Uh But of course, it's multicultural. There's a bunch of other people in there as well. Um, but um, for them, we have our own uh, Twitch channel for the open party. Uh, me and one of my fr- best friends in the world, actually, uh, Superman Jeff. Uh, we we host Super Smash Sunday weekly as well. It's a three hour block of just uh. King of the Hill, one v one Smash fighting, and like it's it is a really fun time as well. Like we have a great time doing that every week. Yes, dope. So man. so yeah, that's you can check all that stuff out. I make a lot of content. I, I, yeah. I don't get a lot of sleep at all. You out here, man? That's <laughs> hey, you know they gonna see you. They see you everywhere, like Steve Harvey. You know, gotta see your face everywhere. <laughs> um, and you, if you want to follow us on the socials, we are uh, UBG Pod. On uh, TikTok, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook. Um, I think that's it. I always forget. Um, but yeah, follow us on the socials. Keep up to date on the show and things we got going on. And thank you all so much for listening to this episode. And as always, be happy, drink some water, and keep gaming. Keep gaming.